Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories and welcome to my interview with Johnny Hill. Johnny lives in the panhandle of Texas and throughout his time as a cowboy, he became famous for how he started Colts and for his horsemanship. He talks about that throughout this podcast episode and he also talks about his background and how he got started in this industry. He has a pretty cool story and I'm excited for you all to listen. Hope you enjoy. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do it. I'm excited to hear your story. Yeah. It's probably not too much, but I've had a pretty <laughs> interesting life. Yeah. Well, do you mind just starting off by introducing yourself to us and then um, tell us a little bit about who you are? Okay. Well, my name is Johnny Hill. and uh, started to school in Clarendon, Texas. And went the first five years there, and then family moved to Headley. My dad was a farmer, run heavy equipment, uh, and for some reason, I've always liked horses. I don't know why. Uh, had some uncles that had a little bit of influence on that. Uh, got my first horse when I was in junior high. Uh, had Shetland married. It wasn't broke. Daddy wouldn't let me break it with a saddle. Afraid I'd get hung up. We uh, we went round and round. She was a ornery rascal. I'll put it that way. Anyway, I kept horses all through high school. Uh, don't know why I just did. Didn't have one all the time, but most of the time there, I had one around where I could ride. When we moved from the country into town, left my horses in the country. Sometimes after school, I'd pick up a bridle and walk back two miles out in the country and catch my horse and ride around a little while bareback, walk back to town just for something to do. Uh, really enjoyed horses. Had had a really good life. Uh, got graduated from high school, went to college one year and got married and <clears throat> went to work in a feedlot. Uh, Riding horses for the public knew nothing really about that kind of business. Uh, after worked at feedlot, I don't know, 11 months or something, and I started back to school, back to college. And one day between classes, I was driving around and I went by. The Lewis's had a horse ranch up at Ashtola. Went, went in there and guy named Beryl Holler was living there and asked him if he needed any help. And he said, I sure do. My hard hand quit the other day. <laughs> so they hired me and I went to work for them, finished that year of school while I was working up there. And I worked for Beryl at the horse farm, uh, for Lewis's actually. A little over two years, uh, two years and two months or something like that. And I had a camp come open and the general manager of the ranch kind of took a liking to me. In the fall of the year, we, we'd we go help at the ranch. We was too busy, AI and Myers and whatnot, in the spring of the year. 
couldn't couldn't go. But in the fall of the year, we went and helped. And the manager took a liking to me and asked if I wanted to move down to Sandy Camp, south of Clarendon. And we took that job. My dad tried to talk me out of that. He said, if you move down there, it's all you'll ever do. And he was about right. <laughs> he wanted me to be a dentist. I didn't, oh, really? a, I didn't want to be a dentist for some reason. I don't know. Uh, anyway, and we live. Sorry, ahead. was that place all, so that was all the Lewises that you talked about? They had the horses and the cattle and the camps and everything that you're talking about? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, they, uh, Frank Derrick was the general manager, and they had five camps. He had probably 2,500 acres. Or 2,500 mother cows, 125,000 acres of grass, and they kept anywhere from 20 to 40 broodmares at times. Okay. Uh, and we what did met, your wife think of you taking that job? Well, she didn't. She wasn't opposed to it. Uh, we had had our oldest daughter while I was actually before I went to work for Lucy's. Anyway, we. Daughter was like two years old or something when we moved to Sandy Camp, and uh, both of my kids grew up there. We lived there twenty six years. Uh, That's cool. Good, it's a good place, and they were extremely good people to work for. Uh, they they took care of us pretty well. I mean. Typical ranch job. They didn't pay the best in the world, but they had lots of benefits on the side. I rode some outside horses occasionally along. They had lots of good horses uh, if you were willing to take the time to make them. They had lots of young horses. Uh, and I, for some reason, took a liking to doing that, and I rode a lot of young horses, rode a lot of problem horses for people. Uh, later on, after I kind of got or knew a little bit of something about what was going on, but uh, we branded, we neighbored. About the time I moved to Sandy, they started neighboring with, uh, and all our neighbors were most of them were old established ranchers, uh, good people. Uh, they and we ran between eight and ten thousand calves a year. We, we wow. started branding. We start branding uh, middle of March toward the first of April and brand on the fourth of July, and then in the fall of the year we uh, start weaning first September and go plumb into January. This is six or seven days a week, and you you had a horse being stupid, you could just keep catching him because he's going to get tired or crippled one <laughs> or the other. Yeah, but it was a good life. Enjoyed it. Had lots of good friends, worked with a lot of good people, a lot of good people. So was that um, was that kind of the first place that you that you ever worked as a cowboy, and then you just ended up staying there for twenty six years? Yes. Yes, I, I worked that... from actually about twenty eight years. I just lived at Sandy Camp twenty six. Okay. And had you ever been around that kind of lifestyle before, besides? Besides the horses, when you were in junior high and stuff, had you ever no, been around that? No, no. Actually, I mean, when we I first started going to the ranch, these, these 
these were old established people and they did a lot of their work outside. They might have 500 cows in the roundup and pair them up. By, when I moved to Sandy, there were seven different brands and Frank paired them up by the brand to brand them. Uh, I didn't have a clue what they was doing when they started working the roundup. We had a, a, a gentleman, a really, really good cowboy that his country surrounded my horse pasture. Name was Mark Allen. And he kind of took me under his wing. He went with me everywhere I went for about 20 years. He worked, they worked for Lewis's and all the neighbors too. And we furnished part of his horses. And he, he schooled on me a lot or he, he wouldn't school on you. He'd say, if he saw you doing something wrong, when you start home in the pickup, he'd say, well, you might have done this a little different, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he, he schooled on me a lot. I mean, he, he taught me a lot. I'll put it that way. So he was probably the biggest influence on you as far as learning everything. Yes, and and uh, Frank Derek, uh, the manager, uh, he he had a way of teaching you. And he had we had a fairly young cowboy crew. I mean, like there was five camps, and uh, four of us were fairly young, and he he'd. he'd uh, when you were working in your country, you were the boss as far as he was concerned. He'd tell you what he wanted done, but he wouldn't tell you how to do it. And he'd just let you do it on your own. And if it didn't work, he'd say, well, you might have done it like this. And he he had just a way of showing you how to do things. He was a really phenomenal guy. He could chew you out, and it'd take you a week to realize it. <laughs> But he, he huh. knew it. He took him five minutes to say hi, and he knew what it was going to sound like when he said it. Yeah, really thought things through. Yeah, yeah, he really was. And he, all oh, Frank took a liking to me for some reason, and I pestered him all the time. But <laughs> I spent a lot of time bowling and, and looking at stuff horseback, and some of the other guys didn't do that all the time. And, like I rode a lot of young horses doing that, and he he liked that. It was you know you weren't spending money in the pickup, getting burning gas or whatnot. So did you ride mostly there? You said you rode a little bit of outside horses too like for people. Yeah, yeah. Later on, I got to I rode some outside horses. Rode some, bought and traded some a little bit along my own, but uh, for some reason I got a reputation for being able to ride a problem horse. And uh, I had people call me. I didn't know who they were. Want me to ride a horse, horse for them. And uh, it, uh, some of them turned out, some of them didn't, you know. Yeah. It didn't, uh, didn't bother me to condemn a horse if he was not ever going to be safe to ride. Uh did you ever have any bad wrecks on any of those problem horses oh, for oh people? Oh, Lord, Lord, yeah. <laughs> Lord, yeah. <laughs> when uh, when I was working at the feed yard, I was riding pens and feeding too. And I, was riding, I didn't have any horses at the time of my own. And I was riding a horse for a guy lived up here about 10 miles. This was a really mean horse. I mean, he... Some other guy tried to start him, and he fought him on the ground, and that horse would fight back. I tied up his foot for six weeks, saddling, keeping him kicking me. And uh, 
and when you if you leaned off of him to open the gate, he'd bite at you. If you, when, you <laughs> when you stepped off of him, if you looked at him, he'd paw at you. I mean, he this this horse was pretty bad, and I really had no business riding a horse like that at that time because I didn't know how. But I got it down there by myself one day in a feed alley, and the hat blowed off. It was a windy, cold old day, and I got off and got my hat. When I got on him, I let him spin away from me, and he slung me down and hung my left foot in the stirrup. This horse would kick you every chance he got. And I remember twice, he swinging me out on the end of that stirrup, spinning, kicking at me. I remember twice looking right up at his belly and him kicking at me, and he never touched me. And I finally got a bridle rein, hold of a bridle rein, got his head pulled around. And when I got him stopped, I was laying right under his nose. And why he didn't jump on me, I don't know, because he would. Anyway, it scared him so bad, he kind of got down on his belly and shook. And while he was shaking, I kicked that stirrup off my foot with my other foot. So that'll, that'll put the fear of the Lord in you right there. Gosh, yeah, I'd say. Did he ever come around, or was he like that forever? You know, he got to where I didn't have to tie his foot up to saddle him and whatnot, but he was not ever going to be for anybody to use. He he just wasn't in our a guy had lied to me about him when he brought him down there, and I I sent him home. If you when I first got him down there, if you went in the pen to catch him, he might run at you, and he, and he was serious <laughs> about what he was doing. You know, run you out of a pen if you'd let him. Yeah, yeah. I was just too stupid to quit messing with him. I rode him <laughs> a good long while. He got along. I mean, I didn't. You know, he didn't kill me. It's a wonder he had nothing. But, he was probably the worst in, as far as being just mean. I rode some that were bad to buck and do other kinds of run off with you and whatnot. I, I just seen one buck me off is to run off with me. Yeah. And basically, depending on where he's at in rough country. Lived there at Sandy Camp. We had a, over about a mile from the house, had a big old wide creek, sandy, deep sand. It was probably four miles to the first fence. And the, the horse pasture, you couldn't get away from the house if the horse is prone to be stupid, run off with you or something. The, the brush was really, really bad. It's hackberry trees and, and grapevines. I got drug off in there a time or two, and I got to where I'd just haul them over to that creek and lead them out there in the creek and get on them, and then you could do pretty much what you wanted. Uh, you know, if I had one old horse that was... He was really bad about running off. Wouldn't the safest place around him was on him, but he'd run. I'd let him run a little way, see if he's going to run or buck, and then I'd just bump him in a circle without ever pulling on him. And he got pretty quick where he wouldn't run half a circle, and he'd be trotting or walking. <laughs> then he would go half a mile down the creek and do it again. But he got he got over it. I mean, he that horse finally made a good horse. Furnished lots of riding. Finally condemned him when he was about 15 or 16 years old. Wow. I've heard some people say that sometimes the hardest ones to start or the most hard-headed ones end up being the best ones. Would you say, in your in your opinion, has that been the case for you, too? That's very true. Yes, my best horses were horses that made me have to work to, to get them to come around. Uh, we had, like I said, we had lots of horses, and 
we made lots of tracks. We really did. Um, and, and that particular horse running off I was talking about, I had a half-brother to him. I rode him 18 years and never got on him that he didn't hump up. He bucked me off once and I rode him once and I figured out I'd talk him out of it because I couldn't ride him. <laughs> uh, but those two horses, they, two years there, if you saw me, I'd ride him one of them because I was afraid to let them rest. And, you know, yeah. and that, that one that it was so bad to buck, uh, he was the best horse that I've ever seen, actually. And I can see his grave from my back door. Okay, they gave him to me when I left the ranch. He was old then, and I kept him, fed him nine years when I shouldn't have. I finally put him down. He was 31 years old. Wow. He 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 was he got so in tune. I rode the hand out of him. He got so in tune I could turn my head and he'd feel it. He'd turn around. He'd turn and look at whatever I was looking at. And I've never seen a horse like him. That's pretty he, cool. Do you know what he was bred like? Yeah, he was a out of a stud we had called Sonata Blue by Dick Sonata. And he was out of a G.I. Joe mare, which she was a running bred mare. Uh, I had three colts out of that mare, and they all bucked some. Uh, they all made good horses, good, good horses. You just had to ride them through all that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, he was, We I don't know if you heard about that ranch rodeo at Wichita Falls. It was the first one that ever uh, was ever had, I guess you'd say. We were invited to it, and the, we won it the first year. We beat all the big ranches, Wagner's, Pitchforks, Four Sixes, uh, Cowans, and all the, you know, we went down there scared to death. We just a little podunk outfit, but we showed them <laughs> we wasn't totally dumb, you know. We and had, you won it? We won it. We won it in 81 and 83, and then That's I had... Cool. I was Taipan in 84, and, and this old horse's name was Casey. He won top horse in 87. He, That's he, pretty cool. He beat, it is cool. He beat Buster Welch. I don't know if you ever heard of Buster Welch or not. Yeah, yeah. He beat Buster. Buster was there three years, and Casey beat him one out of the three years. That's neat. Sounds like that was a pretty fun adventure. Oh, it was. We... We had a great time. Had a, Lewis has had a great crew. Bunch of good guys. I mean, most of them young, and there's all talented horses one way and, and another, you know. One of them was, a couple of them were really good welders, blacksmiths. One of them was a good mechanic and a good cowboy on top of that. Uh, I mean, he just, they had a really good bunch of people to work with. Yeah. Um, what made you... Uh, why did you end up leaving there? Uh, well, they, we, I was on a JA lease. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you've heard of the JA ranch. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Miss Lewis had died in like 82 or something. And Bobby Boston and Jinx Boston were nephews and they took over. <clears throat> anyway, things got, I guess, inheritance tax got them in the bind after she died. First one thing or another. And Bobby had taken two new partners. He and Jinx split up and, and he took, had two new partners in that lease there at Sandy. And he called me and said, we're going to turn that lease back. He said, I'll let you have it if you 
wanted. He said, and we'll furnish you the cattle to graze it. I'm sure, but then the management at the JAs didn't want to do that. They they didn't think I could make it work. So oh. I uh, moved to Donnie Hall, one of his boys. Uh, Donnie lived at Antelope Camp. He's 20 miles south of me, and he had a boy that was in the cutting horse business, and he was rep. rep well, he say repping for a guy out of Logandale, Nevada, had, had putting together a breeding farm it, down at Dublin, Texas, and uh, they needed a manager down there. And Shannon called me and wanted me to go down there, which I didn't have where to go, so we went down there and stayed a year. Had 500 horses on 3,200 acres. Wow! Uh, but we we didn't see totally eye to eye with that guy and uh, decided to come home. And uh, just went back day working and riding horses. And I built a horse training deal up on Highway 70. Well, I was in early 50s by then. And I got to looking at all that stuff I built. And I thought, I'm going to have to ride a bunch of horses to pay for all that. <laughs> so I sold it. And wound up, went to work for the state prison system at Childers. Uh, worked there 11 years, which it's. In the last eight years I was there, I was out in the what we call the field force. We'd take those inmates out and work them in the field. We was horseback. And I I rode a bunch of horses for the state down there, kind of got some straightened out that weren't like they're supposed to be. Those, those people that was riding those horses didn't know uh, how to get one to. And had a warden that took a liking to me, and we... He sent me out there several times to straighten up some horses. So okay. would the inmates ride those horses too? They like, what? Would would you take like inmates out with you and you'd all go ride? Uh, we had some, they or? had some inmates that rode the, the field force actually, which is what I was. Uh, didn't it, kennel was a had a kennel where they tracked people with their dogs and whatnot. Uh, they they had say over who rode what horse, and okay. in, inmates worked for them out there were uh, weren't serious criminals, and they let them out to work out there. They rode some of those horses, but you very seldom ever found one that knew too much about a horse, you know. Yeah. And what I guess what was the purpose of that? Like, would they? Well, we um, we had. Can you tell me a little bit about it? I guess I don't really know what that what that is. Well, we had a big garden, like a hundred and forty acre garden out there, and we produced food for the prison system. Oh, okay. And uh, we had ten or eleven squads of inmates out working in the field. We'd start them early and work till noon, and then if the weather was fitting, we'd go back afternoon. But most of the time that. It was either too cool or too warm. You had to be just so-so to take care of those inmates, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, so and you I ride had, through those fields while they were working in there. Yeah, yeah. You just you followed them and watched them, kept them working, kept them from okay. fighting. Uh, and if you saw one messing up, you wanted to, you write him a case, and then he'd get in trouble over it, you know. Yeah. 
did that ever get scary or dangerous at all out there? Well, I've seen some pretty big fights now. I wasn't involved in them. Uh, I mean, I was there, and we carried a firearm, a pistol, and I mean, you, I never got where I thought I was in danger of myself. Mm-hmm. Had, That's uh, good. Had some big fights. I mean, those guys go to swinging those holes and tools that they're using. Like, <laughs> you need to get out of the way. Yeah. But <laughs> not the best job in the world. And you were there for eight years? Is that what you said? Eleven years. Eleven. Okay. Yeah, I, I retired with my insurance vested, which was probably one of the better things that I've ever done as far as that goes. Uh, but, you know, I think I'm working uh, I'm working for a man named Andy Wheatley right now. Uh, I worked with his dad when Andy was in the second grade summer I graduated from high school and uh, just got a little ranch down here about eight miles south of me and he first pick up the drive and do a lot of this manual labor <laughs> that's but nice train on these cows yeah we I, I got to work with some really outstanding people that were good hands and just good people besides. That Mark Allen that I was talking about that rode with me everywhere I went was a really good cowboy. He he dragged calves all day, might not ever miss a loop. Uh, very good at what he did. And even when he got old, he's up in his 70s and something run off and he followed him off hoping he'd miss. You were going to get to heal him because he's going to catch him. <laughs> uh, uh, Donnie Hall, a guy named Donnie Hall, he and I were great friends. We had this full fun, got into more mischief than Lord allow. What would you say the biggest things you learned from those guys was? Most times, keep my mouth shut. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I like yeah. that. Uh, you know... That's one thing that, that I would tell the, the young guys today was keep your mouth shut and your eyes open and leave your phone in your pocket. Because somebody's always having to stop and answer their phone now. That's, at times, that's pretty irritating. Pretty, You know, it kind of gets in the way. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I had, you know, I was pretty dumb in a lot of ways and just, Hard-headed enough to keep trying stuff. I went to two Ray Hunt clinics. I'm sure you've heard of Ray Hunt. Yeah. I went to two Ray Hunt clinics, and he taught me a lot. We had a stud named Goldfinger, and his coach was hard-headed rascals. Um, they were good horses when you got them broke, but they were pretty strong-minded. And he showed me how to go around a lot of that. You know. I, I kind of studied the horse end of it. I, I took pride in my horses, and I had a whole string of horses that I could mount 10 people on and not have to worry about them not being able to get their job done. Yeah. 
Do you mind telling us a little bit about the way that you started your Colts and how you got them going and made them safe for people like that? Yeah. Well, when I first moved to Sandy, we we did things pretty much old style. They brought me, Lewis has had several older uh, three- and four-year-old horses that weren't even halter broke. They'd uh, bring them to you and they'd hope, hope for the best, you know. You put them in the bronc pen and go in there, rope them, choke them down, and get a fake hacker one. This is the way I started out. I got different later, but you take a big stout horse and drag them down to a stake rock and just stake them overnight. You go out and they get tangled up and they get all burnt and whatnot if you wasn't careful. I'd go down and when they got in the wreck, I'd go down and help them out of it. And they always seemed to look for you to help them if, if you did that a time or two. Anyway, the next day, you drag them back up there to the barn and tie a foot up and get your saddle on them, get on and off of them three or four times, get them where they stand for you to get on them, and then just get on them and turn their foot loose and see what they're going to do. Some of them jump, some of them run off, and some of them will do nothing. <laughs> and that was on day two. Yeah. And those those horses were they're different than horses are today. But, you know, in two weeks, those horses were ready to go to work. Uh, they they give up quicker and, and were, it seemed like a little more interested in getting along. Some of these newer, younger horses, the horses they're breeding today are a little stronger-minded, a little more fidgety, you know. But after after I got to go into the Ray Hunt deal, well, I started doing that stuff kind of like he did, and that, that's better, really. It's not... It's hard on you, it's not as hard on the horse. That concludes part one of my interview with Johnny Hill. If you like what you're listening to, please leave us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And also to put a face behind the name, you can head over to our Instagram page. It's at Cowboy Stories underscore podcast. And if you would like to support this podcast in any way, you can head over to our show notes. At the bottom, there's a link, and if you click on it, it'll give you a few options for supporting this podcast. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for part two.